Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. And remember, as a podcast listener, you can get 15% off all my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code PODCAST15. Oh, toddlers, delightful little curious (laughs) beings with more sass than most of us parents can handle. And as our babies grow into toddlers, food becomes increasingly important and prominent in their lives which may throw us some challenges as we navigate the next steps in their weaning journey. This week, I'm joined by the wonderful Charlotte Sterling-Reed, who you may have listened to on my podcast before, where we discuss the first steps in weaning your baby on episode 59. Charlotte's an award-winning expert in the area of weaning and feeding, and as a registered nutritionist who has supported thousands of families with feeding their little ones. She's also just released a new book to follow on from her bestseller, How to Wean Your Baby, called How to Feed Your Toddler, which is linked (laughs) in the episode description. And I am loving the practical and reassuring advice that Charlotte gives us for these next feeding stages. So welcome and thank you so much for joining me again, Charlotte. Repeat guest, yippee. Oh, I love it. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really honoured to be on. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you because, as you know, I currently have a toddler, (laughs) which makes your new book very relevant to me. um, And (laughs) I get to pick your brains, which is super, super exciting. So thank you. Oh, no worries at all. Yeah, I love talking about this, to be honest with you. I think, you know, I'm in the throes of toddlerhood and I I still kind of count my five-year-old as a bit of a toddler as well, because he's still got all of those kind of emotions up and down. So I feel like I am right in the throes of toddlerhood. I really, really do. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love following your your toddler journey on Instagram. It's full of re- realities and giggles, which is just perfect. Yeah. <laughs> now, I feel like when you're weaning your baby, the control is kind of firmly in your hands to some extent, whereas toddlers, the control is slowly creeping away as they become more and more independent and self-assured. <laughs> Oh, I would completely agree with you. And I think when it comes to weaning as well, it's almost there's a process to follow. You know, you Mm. kind of have these steps and you know roughly how you start and kind of the middle and the end. And then it's almost like you get to a one year old and 
oh my gosh, like, what do I do now? Because this is this is quite manic. This is new. This is they're throwing challenges at you, and it's not just kind of smooth. And not that weaning is always smooth, because quite often weaning isn't smooth as well. But it's there's almost no kind of structure to it. And then all of a sudden you're going, I have no idea how to cope with this. And I find that with lots of behavior elements with my two, you know, I'm just going, whoa, no, no idea how to cope with this now. Um, And so I completely appreciate how lots of parents feel like that when it comes to the food, too. Yeah. And it becomes more important, I feel like as we reach toddlerhood, like the nutrition element of food kind of becomes more and more prominent and important, which feels as a parent a little bit more pressurizing to kind of get it right. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, um, milk intakes gradually start to reduce, you know, from about, you know, earlier than this as well, but really they start to quite significantly reduce from 10, 12, and then from one year of age. So we start to be relying lots more on solid food rather than milk. And actually that can be quite scary because especially if children haven't taken to solids very well, especially if children are going through periods of food refusal, which is completely normal, we're going, oh my gosh, how can I get them to eat? And quite often it's a, we might jump back and be like, well, let's rely on that milk because I knew that was working, but actually they do need more than that. Mm. So it becomes so much more complex. And also the most important thing to remember is they're becoming little humans. They want their own independence, autonomy, and they are not afraid to show it. And this is again, totally normal. And food often becomes part of where they try and show that independence. Oh yes, they do. Yeah. Oh, and they're not shy about it, which is obviously great. We want we want kids with personality and determination, yeah. don't we? Um, exactly. And that's where it all starts with food all over my kitchen floor. But never mind. <laughs> so, one of the things I want to jump straight into is the kind of next steps with weaning, Charlotte, because typically when we think about weaning and feeding, we start with those like quite thin purees. And then we start to build in the kind of next steps in terms of more complex textures and flavors and and even cutlery and what they're using to eat. How do we go about navigating that? Because it can feel like a little bit of a minefield, I think. I I really, really think it is a minefield. And I think parents almost want this kind of, right, at this age, they should be having this. And at this age, they should be having this. And at this age, and in in on, in all honesty, previous weaning advice was very, very like that. And I think so a lot of people have that expectation. However, now we have a lot more of this kind of baby led weaning concept, which is actually, in my eyes, it's not necessarily just about offering babies pieces of food. It's about allowing them to be leading that journey. Yeah. So it's actually about being a bit responsive. And this can be really tricky for some parents, especially parents who just want to be told at nine months, you should be offering lumps and, um, you know, and lots and lots of finger foods. They want that kind of detail. But actually, it's much more about seeing what your baby can cope with and just moving up a little notch. So if your baby is eating those purees really easily, It's about you going, okay, they're coping with this really well. Let's move on to that next stage. And that can just be really stealthily moving those textures up a notch. It doesn't have to be going from a smooth puree to a really gloopy, thick mash. It's about this really stealthy move. So Mm. day by day, you're almost increasing that texture. And as soon as you notice your little one, do you know what? They just easily ate that broccoli or they easily flattened and and swallowed that carrot stick then okay we might start to explore a few more finger food textures um i totally appreciate this can be really challenging but it's about sitting watching and observing your little one seeing how they cope it's the same with moving through meals so when your baby's on one meal a day at the start of weaning lots of parents say to me when do i move on to the second and then the third and it's the same thing how is your baby coping with that food? 
Are they enjoying those mealtimes and they're actually wanting to be there? And are they swallowing that food okay? If they are, let's move on to the next meal and let's let's start to build on those. And it's exactly the same with those finger foods. If they're coping well, if they're eating them, if they seem to be enjoying exploring and playing with them, move them up a notch. Um, and so I would say try and follow this process throughout your weaning journey. Things that can help are lots and lots of eating with them. So if you as a parent can sit and eat with them, they will learn so much from watching you from following you they'll learn biting and chewing they'll learn what to do with the food they'll learn how to drink from cups they'll use how to use a fork to kind of stab bits and, and bring it to their mouth so the more that you can sit and eat with them gently encourage them watch their progress and follow that progress as much as you can that is what's key and I'm not saying it's easy but the more you're observing and role modeling the easier it becomes Oh, that's really helpful. And you're so right. They are little sponges, aren't they? And us sitting with them is so important. It made me laugh when you're talking about the fork because Finley has in the last couple of weeks really learned that forks exist, um, probably from watching me and, and probably from nursery. Yeah. So he is literally now sits at the table and before he grabs anything else, he's got his fork. He's like, I'm ready. <laughs> I've got this fork. This is what I'm going to eat with today. Come what may. So, no, so I love it. I remember, I remember Ada with her fork and I remember saying to her like, stab. And then she'd be like, stab. Stab, stab, and I was like, "Yes, that's that's Ada." <laughs> not your fingers, not your fingers. Trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. Oh, they are so funny, aren't they? they are the so other funny. thing, Charlotte, that I know probably concerns lots of parents is quantities of food. Mm. What would your advice be on this? Because I'm guessing, like us as adults, they're all a bit different. Completely. And I think, again, lots of parents, and I really understand it. I'm a bit of a parent who quite likes those instructions myself. So yeah. I find it difficult too. But exactly as I said with the baby led, you know, I like to use the phrase, and this is with babies and toddlers, I like to use the phrase, you know, you decide what is going to be served and what you're putting on their plate, and they are in charge of how much and what bits of that go in their mouth. So mm. it's so hard to follow this concept. But I think we have got to step away from this idea of thinking that we know best what they need and how much they need, because actually, well, how do we know? Babies and children are so different and their appetites, just like us as adults, will change day to day, meal to meal. Sometimes we might fancy a, a, a warm soup with some thick, crusty bread. And other times we might be like, oh, I could really just do with a really fresh salad. Like we know that and we feel that and we can actually vocalize that. Babies and toddlers, they can't. They don't know what they want or what they need. So all they know is that their appetite's fluctuating, which is so normal. So instead of us having a preconceived idea of they should be eating X amount, we should be allowing them to decide that. Their tummies are connecting with their brains and telling them, I want more of this or, oh God, I've had enough, my tummy's full. And there are so many things that affect their appetite, illness, if they've got a sore throat, if they've eaten something similar at nursery earlier on, they might be like, oh God, I don't want this again, which is what we would do as well. Mm -hmm. But they cannot articulate that. So we have to try and allow them to be the ones who decide how much they eat because we don't know what their body's telling them. We don't know their reasons for refusing it. We just know that they are. So the more that we listen to them and the more that we allow them to feed to appetite, and take that pressure off and stop thinking about how much they've eaten, the more enjoyable the meal will become and the more they will be likely to follow their own appetite and follow their lead. And some children, like my daughter Ada, she has a really little appetite. She eats little and often. She doesn't eat huge amounts at meals. Whereas Rafi is the other way around. He's often the one being like, oh, can I have another portion? And I will be filling his plate up twice, you know. So 
children are so different. Don't ex- have expectations of what and how much they should eat because it will change every day between children, between weeks. You know, so many things will impact it. Mm, so interesting. Actually, listening to you talk there, Charlotte, about the fact that they are developing that brain and tummy collection to regulate their own appetite. It's probably a really important skill that we need to empower them with forever, right? Because we want them to always eat intuitively and and recognize their appetite to set them up for a a life of health. Exactly. And it's so hard to override. It's so easy to override Mm. it because, you know, we grew up in that generation of finish a plate, don't waste food. And, you know, my parents, it's so classic, but they always used to scrape half on one side and they'd be like, just eat that half. And, you know, it was almost like, you know, we, we just grew up in a generation where it was this idea of you you eat your food. And actually, we probably have moved away from being intuitive about our own appetites. Like, am I full? Am I hungry? Do I need that? And, you know, we eat for so many other reasons, which isn't a problem, but it is important to listen to yourself. And I love because my son is so good at it. He's so good. And I feel really proud. And I, I don't know whether Ada will be as good because she doesn't, you know, she's sort of a she's a bit of a rebel and she just she's sort got of like so much do, sass. I absolutely much, love exactly. it. Like she's gonna be running the country, Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah, she's gonna be controlling a lot. But Rafi, like he's so intuitive and he will say to me, you know, for example, the other day I was taking pictures of the poor boy with some um, with some chocolates for Halloween. I needed like a vi- video <laughs> and he was just biting one. He'd be like, I don't like that. Biting one. I don't like that. And he just doesn't. He just listens and he's like, no, I don't like it. He doesn't think it's chocolate. I'm going to eat it. Um, and the same with things like if he's been given sweets or cakes, he'll often have a couple of bites and I'll say, I'll always say to him, just eat however much you want. And he'll say, oh, I've had enough now. I don't want it. And I'm just so surprised by the fact that he's not going guzzle, guzzle, guzzle. Because, you know, we don't have sweets that often, but he's just so intuitive with it. So I think it, it can really work. Oh, I love that. That's that's exactly what we want, isn't it? Like that is that yeah. is the dream. That is the dream. Good good work, you. Well done. Um, <laughs> well, Ada's so... going to throw me some phones there. I don't. I love it. Just going to make up for it. One of the things, and I can't be the only parent that's done this, Charlotte. When you have like a dinner, t- I think dinner time is is probably the one that causes the most anxiety because it's linked to bedtime. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm not the only parent that thinks like, oh, he's not eating a very good dinner. That means he's not going to sleep tonight. Yeah. And then I will just like get some yogurt out the fridge and fill his tummy up. And I know that's probably not the way to go, but I'm so like, oh, it's going to affect his sleep. How do we overcome that like sleep anxiety? (laughs) Yeah, it's so common. It's And when I do my webinars, because I run... um, I run fussy eating and weaning webinars regularly. And I swear that is the most number one question that comes up. Because <laughs> I'll bet, say I about bet. not offering alternatives. we all fuss about sleep, don't we? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is sleep is so prominent. It's so important for so many of us. You know, I'm I'm a mum who hasn't slept properly for two and two and a quarter years, you know. So I totally feel that. What I would ask is, number one, what's your evidence that they won't sleep because they're not hungry? What's your evidence? Has that happened? And in some situations, in some cases, it probably has. I remember with Rafi a couple of times where he did wait during the night and he was really hungry and we did give him a banana because it was so rare. It was so unlike him and he really knew, like, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I would ask, what's your evidence? Has that happened? Children, like I said, their appetites go up and down. If they don't, if they're saying they don't want a meal, perhaps they aren't hungry. And if we're giving them something that is a firm favourite, they're going to go, oh, oh, well, I'm going to make some room for this because this is a favourite. And so actually maybe we're trying to, we're actually encouraging them not to be listening to their appetite so much. Yeah. So I would say, what's your evidence? Um, 
for the fact that they are going to wake up. Remember, they have so many opportunities to eat during the day to fill up on calories, to fill up on foods. Number two, if they are hungry one night, it's not the end of the world. You know, so often parents feel like if their child misses one meal, it is going to be, oh my gosh, they've missed a meal. They're going to be starving, my poor child. But actually, that's not really the case. If you missed a meal, you'd probably wake up the next day being a little bit more hungry. You know, you'd probably wake up the next morning thinking, oh, I'm... um. I need a bit more or all oh, my tummy's rumbling. And my kids quite often do. They'll If they haven't eaten well at a meal, they'll wake up in the in the morning and the mood is like, bump. you know, they are going, they're so hungry. Unbelievable. Um, so yeah, evidence for it. If they do go hungry, it really isn't the end of the world. They're not going to starve overnight. And number three, I would say if you're finding it is happening regularly, they are refusing that evening meal regularly and it is affecting their sleep, then there are other things you can do. The thing that I would normally recommend is introducing a snack after that meal time, an hour later, pre-bed. Um, you know, sometimes we even have like the, the kids sitting in the bath and have a little snack, um, depending on what they've done during the day. But the important thing with that is if you are introducing a snack, it's not to be seen as an alternative. So it's not like, oh, you haven't eaten it. Okay, I'll give you something else. It's more like we are building in a regular snack before bedtime that your little one can have. It can be small. It can be like a cracker and a piece of cheese or yogurt and a handful of fruit or something little, but something just to top them up and just to get rid of that slight hunger. But the important thing is that it's offered regardless of whether they've eaten or not, so that we're not doing it as a replacement and it just becomes the norm. So even if they're eating their meal, we're offering that snack so that it doesn't become that alternative. But I would say that only in the situation where you're finding it your little one isn't sleeping through and meals are being refused in the evening very regularly. Evening meals are always a challenge though. And sometimes that's just because your little one has actually eaten a lot during the day and they're genuinely not that hungry. The other thing you could try doing is just moving that evening meal back by one hour. You know, depending on obviously what time you're having it, maybe you could have a later, slightly later meal um, just to see if that helps them build up a little bit of appetite before you're having it. But it's it's all a juggle and it will change as well. So, you know, give it a, give it a couple of months and you'll probably find that you're not in the same situation you know that's that's really helpful and it makes total sense mm -hmm. what you said about mm -hmm. making that a consistent alternative like well not alternative the, the consistent yeah step, so that they're yeah, not yeah, just yeah. thinking well I won't do that because I know then you'll bring me a nice bowl of banana yogurt thanks very much Mom. yeah um <laughs> which is so tempting but not helping us in the long run now one of the things that you mentioned a few times is that fussiness and refusal and I wonder if we can just dig into that a little bit more because I know that's a massive stress for lots of parents yeah. is that fussy eater whatever that means and like refusal of food how do we manage sat at the table imagine we're sat at the table with our toddler and whatever we're giving them that day they're having none of it it's going on the floor you know they're tantruming throwing themselves about pointing at everything that isn't their dinner what do we do yeah. Charlotte because it's really stressful isn't it when we find ourselves in that <laughs> Just taking a quick pause from Charlotte's weaning and feeding wisdom to share the wonderful and free information available by heading over to www.aptaclub.co.uk forward slash midwife pip, where you can learn more about the importance of iron, vitamin D, calcium, and much more in your little one's diet. It's must know and evidence-based information. So head over to www.aptaclub.co.uk forward slash midwife fit and check it out. It is 
so hard. And I, you know, I have been there myself multiple times, multiple times where I'm like <gasps> boiling up inside. I'm like, just make this food. You know, you're not eating this food. I know you need to eat, you know. And I just spent an hour cooking things. it. That's the annoying yeah, thing. <laughs> I've just spent an hour making this. Oh, it's so challenging. And, you know, I, I have been there, like I say, multiple times myself. I know how hard it is. And I also know how, how much you want to just put a bit of pressure on, encourage, you know, kind of, you know, um, barter with them to get them to have some, I know full well how much you want to do that. But what, when it comes to food diffusal, first thing that I need to say is that it is so normal for those appetites to go up and down. So if you're finding for a week or even two weeks, your little one's appetite's taking a real dive, that's normal. It's actually a very normal part of toddlerhood. And in my experience, and I'm not saying parents are to blame because actually um, fussy eating food diffusal happens for a variety of reasons. So, for example, children developing independence, wanting autonomy. Neophobia kicks in at around 18 months of age where they start to actually be a little bit more wary of foods. And also their growth rate starts to slow and their appetite takes a dip. So, And also genetics. There's so many different things that play a role in it. But... If you take nothing else away, just know that those dips and peaks in appetite as children grow are so normal. So if you are noticing you're going through a, um, a period where they are not taking to food very much, that's OK. And the best thing you can do is to try and not change up what you're doing, because quite often what we do as parents is we go, right, OK, it's not working anymore. So I'm going to try this or I'm going to change the meals or I'm only going to offer the ones I know they'll accept or I'm going to put a bit of pressure on or, um, you know, all these different things that we try and we end up changing what was working really well before just because they're having a bit of a phase. And what they learn then during that phase is, ah, well, things can be changed up so I can get I can get a different food or I can get my firm favorite at the meal instead or um you know oh god I'm starting I'm having pressure put on me to eat up I'm not enjoying these meal times anymore I'm not going to want to be a part of them I'm not going to eat anything that's offered to me so you can see how us changing our behavior because of quite normal appetite variations can actually lead to that fussy behavior becoming prolonged and happening for longer periods of time and this is what we want to stop the ups and downs is perfectly fine and perfectly normal, but actually we just don't want that to be prolonged because that's when you can have, you know, really stressful mealtimes. It can be really problematic. You can then start to worry about things like gross and then nutritional intake, but actually you're not really worried about that in the short term. So it's all about trying to not change up what we're doing. It's about role modeling, keeping those mealtimes light and taking that pressure off. There's so much research that shows if we pressure them to eat, we make them want to eat less. So it actually has the exact opposite effect of what we want. So, and it's so hard. It's so hard not to pressure. And sometimes I still find myself doing it or saying a comment and then I'm like, oh, there's pressure. Um, but just really generally trying to manage that level of pressure. And I sometimes say, just be really nonchalant about whether they're eating it. If they say they don't want it, okay, that's fine. You don't have to eat it. That's all you need to say. And then sit and eat yours and enjoy yours. Talk about something else. Bring up another topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they realize, ah, oh, mum's not really responding or giving me much attention for refusing it, you probably will start to get them eating a little bit more. That's very good advice. I love that. And I remember you always saying that mealtime should be fun. Like before everything else, just make it fun. And that yeah. just takes the pressure off. Don't worry about what they're exactly. eating. Just make sure you're all having a good time. Um, exactly. So no choo-choo trains on the spoon then to get them to eat. 
that's out. Not ideally, no, because that is kind of pressure. And it's and, and again, that's, you know, our, we that's all... what our parents did to us, right? Like, exactly. Was I was just going to say that is the grandparents' absolute, yeah. you know, ultimate. Um, so no, I would say. Um, I say about making mealtimes fun. I'm not saying I'm not saying that we need to be doing choo-choo trains or having toys or doing stuff that's going to detract from the food. What we need to do is make the mealtime environment enjoyable and a place that they actually want to be. Because if they want to be there, if they're excited about the idea of mealtime as being maybe a time of engagement, a time when they get some attention, they get some eye-to-eye contact, they get your complete undivided attention, I promise you they will want to be there more. And if they want to be at that table and that mealtime is an important, enjoyable time of their day, that is going to have a knock on effect to how they feel about that food that, they, that is put in front of them. Even if they go through phases where they're like, no, I don't want broccoli. No, I don't like pasta anymore. They will want to be at that mealtime if it's an enjoyable environment. And that is so key is trying to make that so. Love that. So keep keep doing what you're doing and allow them to kind of come round to it in their own toddler time, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And um, talk to me about throwing food on the floor. What do we do? Because it's the most annoying thing ever. <laughs> yeah, it's so annoying. It's so annoying. Um, and ra- again, Rafi didn't do this. So Raf was a little absolute foodie. He had big portions and he would just sit there and just guzzle, guzzle, Shove guzzle. <laughs> Ada came along and she was a food thrower. And I was like, oh my gosh, what to do? The advice is always try and ignore it. Try not to draw too much attention. So I tried that for Ada. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but what we did find work with Ada was we... I found a line that I used. So every time she would throw food on the floor, I would say the same line very consistently every time. I'd pick the food up and I'd say, we don't do that with food. If you don't want it, pop it on the on the side, on the side of your plate, or sometimes get a little side plate and say, if you don't want it, just pop it on this plate. And then she'd throw again. I'd do exactly the same thing. That, we don't do that with food. If you don't want it, put it on the side and then on the third time I'd say right you've you've thrown food three times you're suggesting to me that you're finished are you finished and we always use this little sign for finished and kind of start to take the plate away and by doing that she would know me throwing food is signifying is that the right word um is suggesting to my mum meal time's over so if I want to keep eating I'm not going to throw the food anymore Mm. and it took a while it took time but it took multiple amounts of consistency and it was just repeating 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 and not reacting any more than that because it's so easy to go stop throwing that food and the more that you get they get that kind of attention and reaction they will do it more but because my response was boring consistent same thing she just learned that same message you know what kids are like about that kind of message going in the more it goes round and round they're like yeah same thing same thing same. okay I've got it now and she just stopped throwing it and I was like yes and it did take a while it's not an overnight thing but it is the consistency of that and on the kind of taking the plate away I would gen- generally say right you're telling me you finished or maybe give her one tr- chance you know you don't want this food and if she'd go then I'd let her keep it but if not it would be right food's going away now you're telling me you finished because you've thrown the food and 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 I would really stick with that so yeah hope that helps <laughs> oh that's a that's really good guidance yeah we have a bit of food throwing um and I think it is actually like you say when he's genuinely done so he's like well I'm, I'm done yeah. so get, yeah. it, get it out of the way very normal um, yeah. and I'm, I'm starting to learn now that actually it's when you're full that you then just start throwing everything everywhere well exactly hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Exactly that. If you think about it, they're, they're at the t- kids are about play. They're all yeah. about play. They're all about learning. And actually sometimes dropping food is part of that learning because they're learning about gravity and oh what happens if I just let go of this food here so it is actually learning and and it's really important to try and give them opportunities to experiment with that and explore that in play Um, and sometimes they get to the end of the meal and their tummy's not you know their tummy's full now and that's it's really good because that's a good sign that's them giving you a sign my tummy's full so you can start signaling to them okay is your tummy full have you finished and then they'll start learning oh this feeling I've got in my tummy is fullness I'm full and they'll start to be able to signify that to you so try and giving them that rather than throwing the food that's not what we do with food we put it here have you finished though give them an opportunity to learn how to sign to you Mm. I finished um and honestly my two picked up on that fairly quickly and and even now Ada does this when she's finished her meal she waves her hands all in the air you know and then will really signify like finished um and so I think it's a really good opportunity if you do feel like he's full at the meal Mm. to to get him to start showing you in other ways rather than throwing the food I'm up for that definitely up for that yeah and I think it comes down to us forgetting actually sometimes that these little toddlers of ours are very very clever beings we kind of underestimate that don't we but it must be immensely frustrating if we put ourselves in their shoes that they can't Mm. communicate to us basic things Um, and it must be so infuriating so it's no wonder they have like outbursts to kind of get that out there yeah and it's that's very much true with food refusal you know if kids are refusing food it might be for a reason. Like I said, you know, maybe their tummy's full. Maybe they had the same food earlier. Maybe they feel they're full up on milk. Maybe their their throat's hurting. They can't say to you, oh, my throat's really sore. I'm, it's hurting me to swallow this food. They go, you know, and throw the plate at you. And your reaction is, oh, my gosh, they're fussy. Why are you behaving like this? And actually... That's their only method of communication. So sometimes we just have to step back and go, I'm going to accept that you don't want this food and that's okay. Can I throw a potential curveball, Charlotte? What about if they're ill? Yeah, well, if they're ill, exactly that. That's going to massively affect Mm -hmm. their appetite. And again, it's exactly the same. If they are unwell, like I said, sore throat, teething, you know, sore ears, Mm -hmm. headache. We don't want to eat when we have that. We don't. And our child cannot say to us, I've got a headache, I've got an earache, I've got a throat ache, I don't want to eat my food. All they can do is scream at us. So we have to accept they don't want this food for whatever reason. I can't force you. I'm not going to bribe or force or pressure you to eat. I'm going to listen to you because I don't know what's going on here. There might be a reason why you don't want food. And when they don't want food and and if they're unwell, their appetite takes a big dip and that's very very normal and it's to be expected like I said just with us if we've got a stomach ache or you know if we've had a had a, a bug for a couple of days and we've been being sick the last thing you want to do is eat food right and again it's the same with children so we need to respond to their appetite and if they're unwell you can sometimes expect a, a bit of an appetite hangover for quite a while as well so if if because it's that mum guilt thing I think is it when they're unwell mm. if they're unwell and not eating is it still a no-no to offer them those like favourites? I mean, I've definitely no, done good question. I'm going to just give you some banana and yogurt. 
So first of all, I normally say if your little one is unwell, try and stick to the routine. <laughs> but having had Ada be unwell for a good few days, I I was just not bothering with the routine. She was too unwell. She didn't want to mm. sit at the table. So we had a couple of days where it was kind of snuggling and, you know, she would um you know not she didn't really eat much at all and I'd sometimes bring her into the meals with Rafi but other than that I didn't bother but generally it's good to try and keep that structure and that routine going as soon as you can um if they are in that way then definitely I would say if they are their favorite food so their yogurts and things like fruits are often quite good you know they vary some children if they've got bad teeth they like breadsticks and others like really cold food so mm-hmm. allow them to be telling you I want to eat these bits of the meal and I normally would say definitely Definitely offer them more in the way of those foods that they are happier to eat because that's you know first of all it's kind it's empathetic you're you're looking after them by doing that um but as they start to get better it's important to kind of build back in those foods that you were used to what you can do is make sure that you're still including bits of those foods they're more likely to eat so you know um, lasagna with a bit of yogurt on the side for example you know just just having some of that food that you know they are comfortable to eat at the same time but gradually moving back towards those normal meals but yeah good question that's really helpful thanks Shai. that just that popped to my mind there because I thought actually for people listening when their children are unwell they, yeah it's, it's that it is that empathy isn't it you just want to cuddle them yeah. and cotton wool and, and that's, that's really, okay. really helpful <laughs> that's, that is it we all need that sometimes I like yeah. to eat chocolate and ice cream when I'm unwell um, <laughs> Finley doesn't get that I have to add I have to add um, <laughs> just just you'll get a banana are there any top tips Charlotte for parents that are navigating feeding their toddlers who have allergies because I can imagine that must be slight terror inside at every single meal yeah it's so tough it's so tough the first thing I would say is um hopefully if anyone who's got toddlers with allergies they will be they will have a healthcare professional that they can work with so whether that's their GP whether that's a pediatrician whether it's a specialist at the hospital make sure you get the advice and support if there was any burning questions you still got that you don't feel has been answered get that support because they they are able to provide you with um you know things like care plans and and step-by-step guides to help you to navigate this food allergy um so just don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to get all the details. Don't be afraid to have some kind of management plan in place if you feel like that's what's needed. And um, that's my absolute first thing. My second thing is... Um, it's really about what type of allergy it is, because if it's a very severe allergy and you've got things like an EpiPen, then you obviously need to be careful. You might need to not have that food in the home. Um, there's there's so many kind of different variations as, as to what the advice would be. But the main thing I would say is, you know, get really savvy with food labels. Um, also, check out there's so many fantastic recipes online. So I worked with Allergy UK and they created a weaning, um, a weaning allergy book, which basically has a whole load of recipes, which are pretty much free from lots and lots of different things so that's really helpful but again if you look online there was loads of allergy recipes bbc good food has allergy um free recipes so there's lots of resources out there so i'd say tap into those and really get used to having some you know maybe key five six staple meals in your home that you know are allergy free and that work really well for your family that's good advice thanks charlotte because i can i can only imagine that the stress that yeah. must come with with really allergies tough. and toddlers that are trying to eat anything and everything they can get their hands yeah. on um <laughs> key nutrients for toddlers they're obviously at a stage where solids is becoming more and more important and we want to make sure that we are meeting those nutritional milestones are there any kind of key nutrients we really need to focus on in that kind of toddlerhood time 
Yeah, I mean, there certainly are some very specific ones. Ultimately, it's about trying to encourage toddlers to be starting to eat a balance. Mm-hmm. So foods from each of the food groups. So having some fruits and vegetables, having some um, starchy carbohydrates and whole grains in their diet, and then having some protein and iron rich foods. So we really want to be making sure that we're balancing those out and that they're having, you know, some their their milk um, or, the, or some dairy foods at the same time. So it's really about focusing on those four. And if you focus on those four, like I talked about very much in my how to feed your toddler book Mm. um I talked a lot in that about this kind of balance and trying to make sure that we get that balance right and tick off those food groups because that is the way to help supply your toddler with all of the nutrients they need however there are some important nutrients so for example iron is a is a nutrient that's a little bit harder to get and quite often it's in foods that toddlers are less likely to eat so iron comes in things like meat um and some fish and beans and lentils, pulses, nut butters, seeds. So these are all foods that contain iron. And it's good to try and include those in little ones like egg yolks, also a really good source. And um, tofu is a good source. Um, some dark green leafy vegetables as well contain iron. So ever, again, a balanced diet with some plant-based foods and some meat and meat foods um, as well can really, really help. But, you know, some of my favorite, I, I actually did a post fairly recently on um, kind of top top ways to get iron into your toddler's diet which which went down really well so um that is on my grid um and yeah can be really helpful resource um iron calcium a lot of that comes from baby's milk but as they're starting to have less milk they might need more in either fortified foods or dairy foods so things like um nuts and seeds are a really good source and some again dark green leafy vegetables but calcium also comes a lot from dairy foods um so full fat um cow's milk um cheese yogurt for example or fortified alternatives of those food um also omega-3 a really important nutrient and this comes in oily fish largely so if your little one's eating oily fish it's recommended to have around one portion a week for for young children um and um if your child doesn't eat that then you can get it from things like walnuts obviously you'd need them ground or as butters um walnuts flax seeds can be a good source of omega-3 um and um i'm just trying to think what else now uh, um olive oil contains some but not, it's not in huge amounts so if your little one isn't eating fish you might want to think about potentially a supplement um of omega-3 fatty acids um and there are lots of other things as well but again it's a really about that kind of balance and trying to fit in the fruits and veggies the carbohydrates and the whole grains and the protein and the iron rich foods and about trying to fit those regularly into most meals that your little one is eating and it's actually quite easy because if you think about like a spaghetti bolognese that's pasta which comes from the kind of carbohydrate group tomato from the fruit and veg group and you've either got mints or maybe lentils or some you know corn in there for example and that will hope to help to add towards the kind of protein and iron rich foods Amazing. I guess that's where the more that our toddlers eat the family meal and we're eating the same as them, the easier it is to get that balance in, isn't it? Exactly. Because a lot of our meals are naturally fairly balanced as well. And if they're not, I guess feeding your toddler is a great time to change that up and start demonstrating. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I love that. It's homework for us all. Um, exactly. Charlotte, you know that I love a three top tips at the end of every episode. So I wonder if you could share three top tips to less stressful toddler feeding. Okay. Number one, take that pressure off mealtimes. It makes such a difference. Consider using the phrase, that's okay. You don't have to eat it. And just leaving it at that. Number two, 
role model it makes such a difference I have seen it in practice so often over the years if you take time out you don't have to eat a full meal but take time out to sit down and eat something similar to what your little one is eating fairly regularly you know as and when you can have a meal time with them it will make a big difference to their eating and number three try and make those meal times enjoyable occasions if you're finding it's become stressed or fraught or people aren't enjoying it step back and think let's forget about getting them to eat let's make this environment enjoyable so those would be my three key tips to feeding toddlers amazing feeding fun for toddlers charlotte you are an absolute star and remember for loads more support and information Charlotte has an amazing Instagram page, a blog, which is like a daily read in our house. So much incredible info (laughs) and amazing new book as well, How to Feed Your Toddler, which is linked in the episode description. Thank you so much, Charlotte. You're an absolute star. Thank you for having me on, Pip. I loved it. Thank you. I I hope people enjoyed the episode. If you've enjoyed this chat and want to hear more on this topic, head over to midwifepip.com where you'll find my accompanying blog post with highlights, my thoughts, extra information and additional resources. And remember, leaving a review on my podcast if you've enjoyed listening really does make a huge difference to helping me reach more women with honest, reliable information. So please take a moment to do this because when women support women, amazing things happen. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.